Hello and welcome to another edition of Fee Days Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino and I'm your host and I'm here with talent on loan from Rush. You, um, hopefully, if you're an avid listener of my show, you heard the episode I had with um, Annabella uh, Rockwell and she talked about how she went away to school and a very elite, expensive school and uh, went from being a, a happy, positive young woman to be, uh, quite frankly, indoctrinated uh, by the the left in this country, and uh, she had to come out of it. And she shared her story. If you haven't heard that episode, please go and, and listen. Uh, Annabella has a great story. Um, my guest today is Beth Pensky. Beth um, has a similar type story, only uh, from the perspective of a mom of a of a parent in this case. And I wanted to have her on to tell her story and get her experience because this is a serious serious issue. Uh, we're here in Ohio. And uh, we, we have uh, in Ohio have passed some laws uh, demanding fairness, quite frankly, is a, a quick way to say it uh, in regards to our higher education uh, to keep the uh, liberal indoctrination and intimidation away from our students. So um, anyway, so here is Beth Pensky. Beth, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Jerry. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. So let, let's get right into it and tell us your story and, and what is going on or has been going on with your children. Sure. So um, I am currently residing in Florida. I've been here for about six years. Um, I moved here while my children were in uh, college. They went to college in Massachusetts, one of them basically around the corner from where Annabella went. Um, so when I had gotten word of her story, and it was through one of my clients, um, knowing my story, they said, have you read this you know, individual whose mom got a deprogrammer and, um, and, it's, and also went to school in Massachusetts? And it was a huge awakening just reading the article you know, in the New York Post. And then at that moment, after I finished reading the article, I said, oh my God, like it just made the connection. Like this is what happened to my kids. You know, I had suspicion all along that it had to do with what was going on in college because that's pretty much when our relationship went south. But I also thought it was because I moved to Florida while they were still up there and maybe they were harboring ill will, even though they gave me their blessing to do so. I was just thinking maybe it was just being so far away, kind of out of sight, out of mind, even, you know, as close as we were. But then after listening, you know, to, and reading her story, and then connecting to her because I urgently went every single avenue I could to get a hold of her. Um, it it just it made sense. And then through the process of doing all the research that I've been doing ever since, and that's now going on about a year. Um, it's just brought a lot of things to light of what's happened to my children, along with a ton. So you 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 have two children that are in this situation, correct? Correct. So my and they're in what grades? So my daughter's now 27 and my son is 25. So they've okay. since graduated college. Um, I think it's, you know, growing up, I, I always believed education being key. Like in order to succeed in life, you have to have a great education. So I made sure that my children were, that was their top priority. So going throughout grade school, going through, you know, high school, they went to the most, they went to public school but they were at the top of their class. You know, they were going into schools that they had to be tested into, even though it was public, it was vocational. Um, they were in magnet programs. You know, I wanted my kids to succeed and thankfully they were smart enough to do so. So I expected them Ivy League, 
they didn't want Ivy League. They already felt the pressure as it was in the schools that they were in. And they were like, you know, we maybe sub Ivy, but Ivy is just a little bit too much. So my daughter wound up going to UMass Amherst after a little bout at Drexel. Um, and then my son wound up going to Northeastern. So my son um, was second in line in his, in his graduating class. And my daughter was 26 out of 2000. So these were highly educated, highly smart children. Um, when they went off to college, I should have, if I would have known then what I know now, I would have picked a different location. So I was thinking Boston, like Massachusetts, beautiful, like farmland in where, where she was in, in Amherst. And my son, a safer location than what she had experienced in Philly being in Boston. You know, and I'm just thinking they're going to be so far away as it was because I was in New Jersey at the time. I wanted to be in a place that I'm going to feel safe and they're going to feel safe. So not knowing literally how mind thinking that they were liberal minded or what it would occur in, in college. I was just thinking they're going to spread their wings. They're going to get the independence that they never had. Neither one still had their driver's license. So they're going to gain independence. They're going to, you know, be the adults that they should be and really make a, a name for themselves. Prior to going to college, obviously they were very intelligent and um, very academically minded, good grades. What was their did they have a, a, you know, I don't want to use the word political because kids probably aren't all that political, but did they have a, you know, somewhat of a concert, let's say conservative or liberal upbringing? Were you guys neutral? Did they, did they ever express any thoughts or opinions about maybe past elections that maybe they were when they were in high school? So like what Annabella was saying, like, you know, hers was entering into 2011, so my daughter's not too far behind from her. So they were entering colleges around the same time frame. The agenda that they have out now is not like it was then. It was just kind of starting, like when they were in junior high school and high school. So, you know, some of the things that they came home with that were just suspicious, not, you know, not, not really understanding why it was coming out the way they would say things like, um, you know, why are these not gender neutral bathrooms when we go into restaurants or, um, uh, you know, Trump is just an awful human being or, um, uh, you know, why is it, you know, that we, we are not equal in when we get jobs, when we, when we would actually get careers, why is it we're not equal pay or, um, just kind of things that were, you know, they're just asking questions, but okay. But growing up, it was, I, I had a grandfather who lived in Miami beach and he was in the chamber of commerce and he worked the elections every single year. So growing up, I used to hear all the time about how crooked the elections were, how there were always ballots missing, how there were always, you know, miscounts. So he was not fond of our system. And that was kind of the way I, I grew up. My parents were democratic, but, you know, they would vote and that would be about it. You didn't really speak about politics in a household. It wasn't that way. You know, growing up in New York, that's, that's the majority up there. So, um, I, when I started raising my children, when it was 9-11, and um, they were really small at the time, they were like three and five at the time, um, when it happened, I was really, really scared of why it happened. And I had had a coworker who started doing a lot of investigation on his own, who kind of woke me up to think maybe something is a little bit more to it. So doing my own investigation and, and going through a bunch of research and understanding maybe what have, could have possibly have happened could have been, you know, 
suspiciously by our government, I really put a, a stop to thinking about um, belief in our government, more untrusting of our government. And I didn't push that to my kids, but what I did is I always said, you know, question everything, um, even authority, do your own research. Don't just go along with what people tell you is true. Go ahead and do it yourself. Research. They're smart kids. So around that time frame, you know, my daughter was doing a ton of research that, you know, would scare her to the point of she'd be like telling me things like, Mom, do you know about MK Ultra and what happened in World War II and all this other stuff? And I'm like, no, tell me what's going on. She goes, it's just mind boggling. So we, we really were awakened at that time to, you know, things that were happening that were not on the up and up with our government. So knowing that and going into school and being as independent minded as they were, I was thinking, okay, you know, they're just going to grow from there. Did not realize how heavily focused it would be and bullied into that they'd have to believe a certain way or they would not succeed. So what were the first signs? Uh, obviously they're, they go in as young freshmen, you know, just, I, you know, I'm, de- I'm dealing with that now. I just took, we, we just took my one son to uh, a freshman year. We have a junior and a sophomore. And so we, we get it. There's nerves. They're meeting the roommate and, you know, need to figure out where to go for their class and stuff. And um, I've seen maturity come from my kids as they've experience college because of the independence and stuff. What were some signs you saw and how early on was it that they were, I guess, being indoctrinated or having a different line of thinking? So the majority would be when I was, when I was down here and they would come for visits and it was, um, you know, they would point out if they saw a Confederate thing on someone's license plate. Um, and then it would be like an all encompassing, you know, it's, if one license plate had a Confederate thing, then it's all, all of Florida is just evil. Be careful. Um, and, um, you know, um, the LGBTQ clubs at, at colleges and my daughter trying to fit into a group and felt the most comfortable there, uh, and the most welcomed there. And it wasn't normal behavior. Um, but it was, you know, that's when pronoun games started happening. And it was, you know, I have a, a they friend and I went, you know, being as smart as you are, grammatically, does that make sense? And, you know, it was, mom, you're, you're just not understanding things. So a lot of the arguments would start to ensue. Um, they would send me, you know, certain documents about things that would be happening with uh, the governor or something in Florida. They would say things like, um, my daughter would say, you know, you're just being surrounded by a bunch of white supremacists down there. You got to watch out. And, you know, hitting these key words that knowing how I raised them for those words to come out of their mouth towards me was beyond suspicious and hurtful. Um, I didn't raise my kids to be any type of racist. Um, They had an abundance of friends in every shape or form. So to have, you know, those kind of remarks being said towards me just because of where I lived was definitely where it started. And so was this, did you get a perspective as to whether or not these, this pressure was coming from more from the students or was it also coming from, because peer pressure is, is a real thing. It's not an excuse because, you know, they're, they are intelligent kids, it sounds like, but were the professors 
pushing this stuff? Yeah, so I had made mention in a couple of the other interviews that I have done that, um, again, I had 100% trust in my children. I didn't need to not have trust in them. So they they didn't get in trouble as kids. You know, these were kids that just had a, a focus in doing right and being good. So their thing, again, being education, a couple of times when my daughter was in college, she'd be like, mom, do me a favor. I'm going to send you this paper. And I just want you to just, you know, check for grammar. I just want to make sure it sounds right. And again, trusting and not even seeing the things that I now see after I went back and, and did uh, the look-sees at the papers that she wrote, I was just literally looking for grammar. Like, you know, you should put an S over here or that's a run-on sentence or something like that. And going back and looking at them, there was in her freshman year, her sophomore year, her history teacher giving her papers that said, um, why are, are blacks uh, portrayed poorly in the media? Or why is um, uh, the by, by uh, actors and actresses um, not portrayed enough in media? Um, and, and certain topics, and I'd be like, now I'm looking at it and I'm going, wait a second. This is a history pr professor giving this rubric to her in freshman and sophomore year. Where, where is the history in that? And, you know, I see it now, obviously. But back then, I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm just going to look for grammar. I'm not going to think anything. But when I look back and see how much reading and how much research that she had to document in her bibliography on what she had to do to get those papers, I mean, it, there are things in there that I'm just like, I can't even believe that she would have actually had to do that kind of research and read those kind of things. Crazy. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And and, and, and again, it's, you know, if a, if a professor wants to have that perspective, they should keep it to themselves. They're welcome to do it. And or if they want to discuss a topic like that, then allow people to take either side and present both both of the sides. Because I think what happens is, look, let's face it, I mean, your kids at that age and any, my kids at their age currently in college are way smarter than I ever was. I'll admit it. Um, but, but it, at that age, you're, you're naive, you're still immature and secure. You don't have the perspective of life. And when you have the people in your life, your fellow students, your professors who you look up to, um, telling you things, it becomes just, you know, it just becomes almost like, well, this is the truth, right? And and they don't know any other way. So how, how did things progress? I mean, how was your relationship from, from as the years went on? I mean, poor. It started really getting poor. Um, I just recently became alert from um, Annabella's mom connecting me with another mom who's been estranged. And uh, she said, do you know about this Facebook group? And um, it's for estranged moms. And since then, I've now, in the last couple of weeks, found several groups. Um, and it seems that a majority, I kind of put a few comments out there, a few posts to see what I would get. And it seems the majority of the parents, like myself, um, never knew a reason why. They just were estranged. And it happened with my son. Um, my daughter gave a little bit more insight to just being so angry and everything was, you know, her being a victim that um, it became not my child anymore. And I just couldn't see it. I just, I couldn't have any conversations, everything because she was a psych major. That's where I thought the link was, but it wasn't. But I just thought there was just every conversation it was, you know, I have to put up boundaries and that's a trigger and you're gaslighting and all these things. And I'm like, 
we can't even have a conversation if it's not about like cooking. And she's like, yeah, that, that looks that. And I'm like, who are you? Like, that's not my child that I'm a single mom. Like you're with me 24 seven for 18 years of your life. Like this doesn't make sense. And with my son, as with the majority of these um, comments that were on the group pages, were you didn't even get a, an answer. They just stopped talking to you. And that's basically what happened with my son. It was, again, I wanted to make sure that they were safe up there. So I'd get a good morning and a good evening text. And I, I asked that for them. If I'm going to be moving you know, 2,000 miles away, I want a good morning and a good night, just so I know you're safe every single day. And it was about three days that had passed. He was in his freshman year or yeah, his freshman year. And I didn't hear from him. And I said, listen, um, I'm getting nervous. I haven't heard from you. It's been three days. Um, before I call the cops, please let me know you're okay. And within a few hours, he contacted me and he said, you know, I can't believe you're going to call the cops on me. I'm fine. I'm busy. I'll call you when I can. And I'm like, whoa, like, that's not my kid that, you know, on both ends of us and never would that come out of him. And at that point, I was just like, I, I can't believe you're talking to me this way. Like, I'm just checking to make sure I didn't say I was calling the cops on you. I'm calling the cops. I don't know if you're living. And uh, it was at that point he stopped talking to me. That's been five years now. And uh, it's been two years with my daughter. And it's it's so hard. And, and if you, I always try to put my my mind put myself in their shoes and I don't mean to put myself in their shoes to understand from a, a, you know, a justification standpoint. But if you, if you think about what they've been taught and what they ultimately believe that people like you and I and anyone else are literally Hitler, right? In their minds, we are, we are literally as evil as you can get and so I think what happens, and even if it's not a case where you, they stop talking to you, even if it's just, you know, they're, they're, they're less involved in your life or they respect you less, they still think of you as a white supremacist. But in reality, they've been so, so lied to by the very people that they're trusting. What, what does a parent do, I mean, in your situation? So that's where I'm at right now. Um, you know, I, I refuse to be victimized. I refuse to have this happen to me. And it's been years. And I never went without hours without talking to my kids. And it's been years. And at the beginning when it happened, you know, people would just say, just pray, you know, and being a religious person. Um, okay, I'll pray. But it's come to the point of going, I don't think God would just want me to sit and just pray. You know, there has to be some kind of action that has to be taken. And knowing that it's not just me that it's happening to, that there's thousands of people that it's happening to. You know, if it's just me, okay, maybe I was the worst mother on the planet that I didn't realize. Maybe I'm living another ulterior, you know, uh, alternate universe. But it's happening to thousands. And it's happening now even younger where they're brainwashing children. And if you think about something happening... Every single day in that child's mind, while a mind is forming, and they're being told every single day, America's bad, God, don't believe in God, your parents are evil, they don't, you know, don't trust them, trust us. If that's brainwashing into you every single day from kindergarten on up, and in college it being so much more worse because they have so much more control because they're in front of your face every single day, grading you if they don't like what you say or believe, 
pushing other friends and other peers to push you in that direction so that you're not ostracized, which my kids definitely did not want to be ostracized. They wanted to fit and belong. You know, it's only going to melt in that direction. So it's at this point that you can't anymore sit back and just do nothing and just go, which a lot of parents are going, I mean, I'll just sit and pray and, and hope that God will bring them back. I, I refuse to do that anymore. You know, I tried a, a year, uh, two years ago to go up and, and try and make amends and see what I can do. And I put that in um, my post in the Epic Times and it, it worked out, unfortunately, very poorly. But I'm not willing to give up and just go, that's it, because these are my kids. And if you had kids that were taken from an occult, uh, you know, into a cult and abducted, you wouldn't just go, you know, eventually they'll come around and I'll just pray it and hopefully they'll do it. No, you're going to take action. So at this point, it's, we need to band together. We need to get our kids back. Praying is wonderful. Absolutely. But God would want us to act. So somehow, some way, you know, with Annabella talking to me, there's connections that you can put into your kids by, you know, old coaches, old uh, family friends, you know, someone that they can stay connected to. So that hopefully that brainwashing could get out of their mind and they can reconnect to the person that they used to be so that then there can be an amends with family. So I'm working on that currently to try and see what I can do to get them to get out of the trance that they've been in for the last couple of years. It's so hard and, and we're all uh, hoping and praying for you to be able to do this. And and I think your point about, you know, we're talking about college kids is what we have seen just in the last few years is what is being done at the kindergarten level, right? With all sorts of things, whether it's what teachers are saying about gender, uh, where they're hiding kids that are, they're claiming they're transitioning or they they, they tell them, Hey, you don't really know if you're a boy or girl yet. And, um, there, there's, there's so much more that's going on. And you're talking about a child, if they grow up and they know nothing different, then their hope, it, it's almost hopeless, you know, and it is a cult. I like the way you called it a cult because it really truly is. And, um, it's not easy to get out of it. On that introduced me to Annabella, my client, the reason that he started talking to me about it is because he has little ones that are going into pre-K and kindergarten. So he was looking for schools, including Catholic schools in the area, that would not be woke. And he was specifically interviewing them. And that's when I started talking to him about my kids being you know, indoctrinated in college. So he's looking for his little ones. Even in Catholic schools in the area, you have to be really careful of where you're sending your children and interview the administration there. And if not, homeschool also a great idea. Yeah, you, you have to be diligent. I mean, whether it's taking action like you just talked about or, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing my sister is running for school board and this is, you know, in her city, this is when, you know, the types of things, the reasons why she wants to get involved and so many others. So um, even if you're not, you know, in desire of running for office or something, supporting those that are or whatever you can do, go to a school board meeting you know, you know, fighting against these professors, even in college, even though our kids are adults in college. Uh, yeah, you're right. We can't, you know, praying is definitely good and keep doing it, but we have to take action. Absolutely. For sure. So, well, Beth Penske, um, you if you're watching, you see underneath her name, she describes herself as the warrior mom. Um, that's what you have to be. And, um, I, you never want to mess with a, with a warrior mom. That's for sure. So, 
Beth Penske, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And um, I'm, I'm hoping that there's a, at some point, there's a positive conclusion. Thank you. I pray, I pray every day and I appreciate that and hope to God that all of us will be reconnected with our children. Absolutely. So thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening to this episode of Fides Podcast. Please check out all my podcasts and all the different podcast apps on YouTube, on Rumble, on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on rightamericamedia.com and on whkradio.podcast.com. So thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time. Save your breath, so what's wrong my tongue? Save your voice.